0: Hi, welcome to chatting to a friend. I'm Katie Friend and in this podcast I'm chatting to incredible women about their life experiences and adventures as well as their thoughts on friendship, community, self-care, setting boundaries and how they keep healthy, happy and sane. This week's guest is Emily Woodhouse. She is an award-winning adventure travel writer. She's a published author and she's also since last summer, a Guinness World Record-holding adventurer. She founded Intrepid Magazine, which is really an incredible magazine, breaking stereotypes about women in the outdoors. She's done expeditions all over the place, including walking all the tours on Dartmoor and cycling to Switzerland and back. We chat about her outdoors upbringing, how when she went to university, she really realized how important it was to her mental health and her well-being that she do as much in the outdoors as possible. She is a member of the Mountain Rescue and we chat about all things to do with passion, life passions. She has is a lifelong writer. She loves adventure and how she managed to combine all those things to have a career. We also discuss Defining adventure and the realization that doing what you think you should be doing is never, ever a match for what deep down you really want to do. And if you think at the end, hold on, where's the challenge, Katie? Well, two things happened. First of all, I completely forgot to ask her. So that was a bit embarrassing. And when I, uh, she, when she reminded me uh, by email, actually, it turns out that re recording it was actually not worth it because she wanted me to do something a little bit different and this is what it is I am to go camping by myself I'm only allowed to tell one person for safety's sake where I will be and I am not allowed to tell anyone else about it at all ever ever so that it's just really for the sake of adventure it's for it's not for boasting about or name dropping or to be validated or for likes And I really love that. I think it's really exciting and very special. And it will be, you will just never know anything about it. Thank you to Emily. She is quite quiet. She is very steely and determined, I get the impression. I found this a really enjoyable chat because she thinks quite deeply about what she's going to say before she says it. And I really hope you enjoy it too. Hi, Emily. Thanks for joining me. How are you today? Hi, no, it's great to be here. Good. It's very. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast because I'm a huge fan of Intrepid Magazine and your website, as I was saying to you before we started recording, is just like a proper list of girls' own adventures. I just, oh, it's so cool. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so I just want to, uh, let's tell everybody a little bit about you because you just seem to have this like just about do everything you're like super outdoorsy you love writing you've got a first class degree in maths I'm just wondering (laughs) you're also going to tell me that you're a grade eight pianist
1: no I'm not thank heavens I'm not a grade eight pianist (laughs) um good you're right I I do a lot I do a lot of little things
0: Um, not little things at all so tell me so your adventurous streak is right from
1: birth by the sounds of things so I was I was born in America, and then I spent a little bit of time living in South Africa, and then came to the UK before I was three years old. Oh my word! So I had some Yosemite and some Table Mountain before my memories even start. Um, so yeah, that I guess outdoorsy right from the very beginning. Um, thanks to my parents,
0: and then and, and they you had very outdoorsy holidays and stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely. So. I mean we do 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 some non-outdoorsy holidays but yeah we all we all like being outside so yeah we would do go cycle touring when I was a teenager that was absolutely great fun and we would just start getting to that age where doing big family (laughs) trips were like I don't know as a teenager I I have a younger brother and so we Mm -hmm. would sort of start to grate I guess a little bit yeah. <laughs> so being on bicycles allows you to just go at your own pace and yeah have some individual <laughs> time as well, as well as having a family holiday so yeah no it's, it was really good
0: Oh good well, I'll store that one up for when mine are a bit bigger i have uh, also have a son and daughter, so <laughs> not quite ready for cycle touring holidays yet but um and so and then you went off to university, but you grew up in around Dartmoor, which has been like a sort of it sounds like a sort of a a haven for you for just about everything you come back to it every time
1: yeah definitely i I live basically on Dartmoor, so I absolutely love it. And I, I love being so close. And yeah, I will absolutely spend as much time as possible out there.
0: And so what have been some
1: of your best adventures on Dartmoor? Oh, gosh. Um, well, the big one, obviously, is I did I did something that I called the All the Tours Challenge a few years mm-hmm. back, where I tried to go to like, do a continuous circuit of every tour on Dartmoor that's like... I had some fairly strict rules on it because I wanted to be, to be able to do it where I could wild camp every night and mm-hmm. not have to go, you know, walk on roads for several kilometres in order to get to other areas of the national park. Um, mm-hmm. But there's this big, uh, like, connected component of open access land. So I did all the tours on that that are on the for those map.
0: of us listening who are not familiar with what a tour
1: is, is there a specific description yeah so it's like a a granite outcrop usually on top or slightly off the side of a hill Mm. it's probably the most succinct way of doing it it's kind of like peaks but okay
0: and there are lots of them
1: yeah lots I did 119 on my walk
0: wow amazing and you've done your Duke of Edinburgh there and all those
1: sorts of good things yes no ironically most people go fun exotic places for the Duke of Edinburgh but I did most of mine on Dartmoor I think I went to the Brecon Beacons once <laughs> but yeah do
0: they I did not do any of mine in in exotic places at all I was quite happily lost above the, in the hills above my mum and dad's house for three days
1: oh, no the, so every other year the group I did it with got to go to Spain oh la la so I I wasn't in that group so I went to Dartmoor instead <laughs> uh,
0: oh I think that probably makes you hardier though oh yeah definitely. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so when you went off to university, I read, uh, I loved the uh, comment on your website that said you went off to university and obviously did, you ended up with a first class degree in maths, but you say the only thing really that you've used is the stuff that you learned at the weekend.
1: Yes. Yeah. Ironically, because I spent, I guess when I went to university, I didn't realize how much being outside and in the mountains meant to me and how important it was just my sanity um so I joined the hill walking society as soon as I got up there um, and I spent every weekend pretty much going to the lakes or the the Yorkshire Dales Scotland Wales because Durham is actually quite nice and central to Mm. all the mountainous areas in the UK so that was fantastic and as my work has gone more and more towards adventure and writing and away from maths. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. I just, I find that I use the things I did on the weekends far more than any of the, you know, the Galois theory or the abstract algebra or any of that.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. And so what was it that, what made you realize, did you realize quite quickly when you got to university that you had this sort of need to be outside
1: to to stay sane? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I didn't, I honestly didn't enjoy university that much. Um, Mm. Maybe I did the wrong course. I don't know. But yeah, it was definitely, I just had to go out on the weekends. That's really impressive because I think, yeah, I wish I'd
0: thought of that when I was at university. I just drank more. So Oh,
1: well I don't drink, so I didn't have that
0: out. <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't drink either when I went to university. I did the whole first year without drinking and then yeah, it was a slow decline. <laughs> but anyway, a uh, steady, steady but slow. <laughs> um, and so but what and so now is that still something that's really important to your mental health and your well-being being outdoors?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's just I don't know if I think about it in that way, but I just, Mm. I have to get outside for a bit. And I, I also find it, I grew up going camping pretty much every other Mm. weekend. So I find that I I get into this funk with my sleep pattern, which I need to reset by just going camping. Um, Oh, how funny. And how does it do that? Just by natural rhythm or? I I don't really know, um, to be honest, but I've noticed it and now, now I don't know I just try and if if I get to that stage where like I'm going to bed really late or it's all just going wrong I'll just go uh-huh. for a walk go camping probably not oh, get very much sleep to be completely honest <laughs> <and then laughs> come home and it'll be it'll be fixed again so.
0: and then you're so tired you just have to go to bed maybe that is it <laughs> <laughs> oh fantastic and so um and and the other things that you do in the outdoors, you went on to become a mountain leader uh, because it's, I think, did I read, because it was easier to fill out the questions f- to apply for that than to d- apply for graduate schemes. Is that right?
1: That was mountain rescue, ah. yeah. So I I did the thing that everybody does. You know, you get to the end of a university course and you think, oh gosh, I should be doing an internship with a big company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was filling out all these graduate schemes for things like accountancy and things related to maths and i just i would really struggle with the questions which was probably indicative that i should not be applying for those jobs to be completely <laughs> yes. honest um but yeah my there was an advert in the local paper for people to join mountain rescue and my mum sent me a picture of it um, and i looked it up and they had an application form I answered all the questions really easily and thought, "Oh right, okay, well, (laughs) (laughs) there's a sign. (laughs) Maybe that's where I should be going." Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And how long is that? A a very presumably, it must be quite intense training.
1: Yeah, so it's quite a slow training process. It takes about a year for most people to go from joining as a trainee to being what we call badged, which is when you get your red jacket with Mountain Rescue Mm. written on it. Um. But yeah, it's fantastic. And honestly, it's, it's one of the best things I've done, joining Mountain Rescue. And why is that? It's just, it's so rewarding. And also you're part of this amazing community of people who we're all, we all come from all sorts of walks of life, but we've all got this underlying thing that we all do and we all really care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just a fab group of people. And obviously you're helping out And learning new skills and yeah fantastic it must be
0: quite important to have a good community because I imagine some of the things obviously I'm not going to ask you to go into details but you know you presumably have to work under quite difficult circumstances and and perhaps not so necessarily very easy to deal with the what what you find when you get there
1: yeah sometimes sometimes So, so you're right it is we have an almost um unofficial so back when people used to be able to go to pubs um, after (laughs) after training sessions yeah after training sessions we we tend to go to the pub afterwards and that's not so that everyone can have I mean people obviously do have a drink but it's more to be able to sort of debrief and decompress Mm. and just you know if there is anything it will come out in that yes um, rather than just going immediately home again
0: and so and then but your other passion I'm going to come back to the mountains because Mm -hmm. it will link up in a minute, but your other passion is, is writing. And that's something else you've Mm -hmm. done since you were a wee girl.
1: Yes, it is. I guess I'm very true to that little, little version of me. Um, Yeah. I've been writing seriously since I was like maybe nine or 10 years old. It's I, I mean, obviously I probably wasn't very good then, but that's, that's when I was like, right. I would like to be a writer which is ironic when you think about it because I then went off and I did I did something like I did three sciences maths further maths and English literature (laughs) at A level and then I went off and did a maths degree and it's only after all that that I eventually came back to (laughs) because like I was doing writing all the way through I just it was never like my actual focus and career and all that. I guess I always felt I should be doing something else, like something proper. <laughs> yeah. um, but thank heavens I eventually came back. And so you've
0: written, you wrote yeah. a book about your all the tours. Um, but didn't you did. write
1: a book about, you wrote a, was it a children's novel? What started me with writing is so when I was something like 10 years old, I had a really great dream. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I woke up from it and thought that was fantastic. I could write a story about that. Oh, wow. And that's genuinely what got me started seriously into writing. That's really cool. Um, so I've always, I don't really talk about this much, but like I, I do, I love writing children's fiction, mm. particularly fantasy. Um, so I, I did while I was at um, probably going into sixth form, I'd written a full novel Uh um and had it I I had a literary agent and then 2008 and the financial crash happened and that all didn't go through but I'd really like to go back to that one day do you think the that
0: particular book is still worthy of publishing or would you like to polish it
1: up or start again oh yeah definitely like the idea Mm. is there but I think yeah no I mean I was only in sixth form, hey?
0: <laughs> No, but that would be so cool. You'd be like one of those sort of, you know, oh, they re- they discovered it, that she'd written it when she was 19 or whatever, or 17. And <laughs> and then she yeah. published it when she was 95.
1: <laughs> oh, hopefully yes. I'll have published oh, it before I'm 95. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. And you put your love of writing into this really phenomenal website. My gosh, what an enormous amount of work that must be. Because it's just absolutely full of like amazing blogs and adventures and so on does that take up quite a lot of your time or is that I mean clearly it's built up over the years but it, it's it's so packed
1: it's it's funny that you talk about it as work I don't mm-hmm. think about it as work at all that's that's really my not quite a diary but like just when I'm not writing when I'm not working that's just me mm. talking I, I suppose what you see what you mean with the diary thing but I would always do that even if I wasn't publishing it on the blog I would still write that yeah. stuff it's letting my hair down that's what I was trying to say <laughs> letting my hair down because I don't I don't really proofread it and I don't I don't do it like properly mm-hmm. I just But you must do, you must do some because it's got like
0: a structure. I like, I really, really like how your blog posts about your adventures go because it gives you the sort of the outline. Then it gives you the stats and the links and the people that are sponsoring you or, you know, whatever it might be. And it's quite, it's quite Mm -hmm. easy to follow. And then there's always like a little hyperlink here and a hyperlink there to another thing and another thing you could get totally lost down like in a rabbit (laughs) warren of amazingness so that's what I meant by work just that kind of you know knowing to link it to here and there everywhere but I love the fact that you don't see it as hard work because usually the things you love the most aren't
1: yeah it's yeah it's uh, and like you say it has built up over quite a long Mm -hmm. time
0: and also you have a magazine Intrepid magazine which I'm a subscriber
1: of and uh, it's amazing tell us about that yeah, so it's the idea of the magazine is to be the answer to the question where are all the women in adventure?
0: Mm.
1: Because as I got into, I guess, when I started blogging and started doing more writing about adventure, um, I would meet and hear about all these incredible women doing things, having adventures, just, just being amazing, and they just weren't getting any media coverage. Mm at all or if they were it would be things like you know this mother of three oh my goodness did this thing um and it's just it just felt wrong really that they weren't having any voice Mm. um and so I thought be the change you want to see Mm -hmm. and I set up the magazine having very little experience of ever doing anything like that at all before but just kind of jumped and learned on the way well, that's,
0: that's the way, isn't
1: it? Yeah. <laughs> done,
0: done rather than perfect to start with. <laughs> and yeah. What, and what's your sort of, how many people does it go out to and uh, what can we expect to find in there? specific, well, yeah,
1: some specific okay. ones maybe. So at the moment we started life as a print magazine, but mm-hmm. things have evolved as, as we've been going. But um, so it's done as a weekly email newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a big, what we call the adventure bulletin for the first week of the month that gives you all the news and links and a whole load of places for you to go find other people's work mm-hmm. um, or just what's going on in the Women and Adventure at the moment. Yeah. Um, and then there are two articles. So at the moment we're doing monthly themes for different, you know, like kayaking or mountain running or whatever each mm-hmm. month um and then we also have a discussion thread so again allowing other people to put their their opinions yeah. in so i might say you know share share some podcasts you like or mm-hmm. share your own podcast cuz i always find i have to put underneath these things you're allowed to self promote please <laughs> tell us about the thing you set up we want to hear about it so yeah
0: yeah i think that's partly uh, that's partly probably driven by women not necessarily ever feeling like they can uh, not ever, mm-hmm. but certainly that's a a, a a trait in so many ways, but also in so many of these things, it's like no self-promotion, no self-promotion.
1: It you is have- <laughs> right. And I, w- I want to be the opposite to that. Please yes. self-promote, tell us we want to know and we want to shout about it so Brilliant. that you can, you know, so other people can read it or listen to it or find out about it.
0: Yeah. And you also ask for contributors as
1: well. Yes. So uh, the articles that go out every well every other weekish um all have to be written by somebody and i'm really keen for it not to just be people who are professional writers mm. because we've all got to start somewhere and often you feel like you need a portfolio in order to be able to pitch these magazines and we're absolutely not like that i mean obviously some writing experience is always helpful yeah but if you don't have any like just just pitch because if you've done something that you think would be interesting for the other people who read the magazine to read about, then go for it.
0: Yeah, you know, and I think that's really amazing because people often, as you say, are doing stuff just beavering away, doing their own thing, and and to have the opportunity because you know you read pitch uh, processes for some of the big magazines, and you just think, oh my. <sighs> Mm. I can't, there's no way, there's no way I can get into that. And yet, and I've, but I've read your pitch proposal, or I'm not sure what it's called, pitch document. Um, and mm. it's brilliant. It's so inclusive. It's super sort of encouraging and, and, and very upfront with, you know, just, just give
1: it a go. Mm, definitely. and And it goes as well for people who think they aren't enough of an adventurer to yeah. do something. Like we're very broad about what adventure is, you know, and we're always Always open for pretty much anything
0: I like I, I really love that because it's one of the things I've sort of tried to do with this podcast because sometimes people say to me oh well it's all very well I listen to these amazing women and they've climbed everest and they've rowed oceans and they've done this but you know that's that's not that's too much for me that's not something I'm interested in or it doesn't do it for me you know mm-hmm. achievement like that and I'm always keen to say, but you know what it, it's just really to inspire you to do whatever you think is an adventure for you, yes, yeah. And so, what sort of examples have you had when you say that? Examples that uh, people given you of something that you know is not climbing Everest or whatever, but is just been a huge adventure for them that they've learned from.
1: I mean, there there are loads. Um, I, I'm struggling to think of a particular one off the top of my head, but just everyone is so judgmental about their adventure their own adventures yeah. because they're comparing themselves to other people's adventures and i don't think adventure is about that like mm. like you were saying you know it's a it's about what what feels adventurous to you not what's you know, counts as adventure on some sliding scale of epicness like it's, <laughs> it's just yeah it's because it, an, an adventure can literally just be spending a night camping yeah that's that's absolutely – and I don't feel like anyone should be prescriptive about what counts as an adventure as long as they're not persuading other people. You know, like it's it's so personal that it I, is. I don't feel like anyone can say this is and this isn't.
0: No, I quite agree. I mean, I, I say things like, you know, just s- stupid things like go out and take your dog on a different dog walk or yeah. get off the bus a stop early and walk home through a different park or – just, you know, if you're out walking and you see a sign and you think, hmm, I wonder where that goes. You know, maybe yes. next time you think, oh, I'll take that. Remember that sign? I saw I, anything like that. I love that sort of thing for me. And I like to do some big stuff too. But uh, honestly, that's the sort of thing that just gives me that kind of <laughs> kind of squealy yeah. feeling that, you know, and I've said it before. So anyone who normally listens will be going, oh, yeah, okay, shut up. But <laughs> it's that kind of feeling that kids get where they're all like, they get really excited about something that you can so easily just pop into your life really, really easily, I think. I mean, I'm super lucky. I appreciate probably like you living where you live, where I live. I'm not short of opportunities to create adventures big or small, but still, I think there's so many opportunities.
1: Yeah, agreed. And so recently I've been, I've got a map of the area and I'm trying to walk or cycle or whatever down as many of the the foot well the footpaths and the the roads that are main roads Mm. just from from my house because I figure like I'm always I always use the same routes Mm. always so like you say you can just see a sign and be like I've actually never gone down there ever and I've lived (laughs) here most of my life (laughs) maybe I should go see what's down that road and it's been really good fun
0: it is really fun because Alistair Humphreys talks about that doesn't he he talks uh, about he's currently working off his 20 by 20 map or something, just of his area and trying uh, to do stuff like that or the run every streets. But that's actually how I found one of my bigger adventures is because I was out running and I kept coming across this sign for the Via Francigena and yeah. it r- runs from, well, it runs from Canterbury all the way to Rome. France and Switzerland, and I just kept seeing it. And I thought, I wonder what that is. And so that's how I found, and now I do a few days every year, just walking through Italy, me and the dog. <laughs> just because I thought, I wonder what that sign,
1: where that sign points to. Yeah, <laughs> and adventure is so much about curiosity, isn't it? Yeah. I, I kind of worry the more we all get obsessed with records and fastest times and mm. unclimbed peaks and everything, and there's absolutely a place for that. But it's not all about that. It really no, is curiosity.
0: It totally is. That's a really lovely way of putting it, actually. I hadn't thought of it like that, but that's exactly what it is. And it's sort of another subject I've been talking to some of my guests about, about how perhaps women see adventure differently from men. Men have this, and, and some, this is not all women and not all men. I, mm-hmm. I'm just sort of generalizing, but there's that sort of adventure and conquering as a sort of the male co- construct of must do this highest, fastest, long, you know, longest, first, whatever. And whereas I think from certainly what I've learned from a lot of my female guests, there are many of them who want to do that. But there are also many who just say, I just wanted to know what was down there or how, what the people were like or what the food tasted like or, you know, just sort of yeah. much more of a cultural immersion or, as you say, a curiosity
1: again i d- I don't want to be too prescriptive. I really do feel like adventure is what you make it for yourself um but yeah, there's
0: no absolutely so talking of adventure um you well i'm gonna just you are you write also we're gonna just stay on the writing for a minute. you write for mm-hmm. much better adventures, and they have the most fabulous website, and their mm-hmm. when their newsletter comes through every week, I'm like. <sighs> I just want to go to like a million places.
1: <laughs> that's great. That's really great to hear. Well,
0: actually, tell that's how I got in tu- well, that's how I got in touch with you, actually, because I wrote to, was it Matt?
1: Yes, it was Matt. Yeah,
0: yeah. I wrote to Matt and I just told him that. I said, your newsletter every single week... Makes me just want to pack my bags and leave home and go and do stuff. And he said, that's amazing. And I can't remember how the podcast came up, but he said, do you want, would you like to speak to Emily? She's cool. <laughs> 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 no, because it's just really amazing. And I, and I really love it. So, and you write for them as well.
1: Yeah, so I write for the magazine. I don't write the newsletters, but mm. I'll tell the person who does that you love them. Oh, so
0: much, <laughs> so much. Um, if only I had like endless time and pots of money. <laughs> <laughs> Quite, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, but your your most recent big adventure is you bagged yourself a Guinness World Record. So now we are talking about the most and the fastest and the and the whatever. Tell us about that because it's just, I found an article on it. That you wrote ages ago, and I couldn't re find it about how it sort of changed from what you initially set out to do to what it became, but you still got mm-hmm. the record.
1: The story of the world record starts way back in a different world, really, because I decided to do this in uh, 2019 when I was planning what to do with my annual leave, mm-hmm. not knowing at all that I'd spent half the year on furlough. and. Yeah. Everything that was coming. But yeah, so I looked at my annual leave and I thought, huh, ah, people have done Guinness World Records. I wonder if I could do one of those. That might be fun. And it sort of grew from there because, so I don't have, obviously, you know, annual leave is finite. So yeah. I thought, let's see if I can find something that I could do in a week. Um, and my sort of main areas of adventure expertise, I guess, <laughs> are um, mountains and cycling. Mm-hmm. So I started to dig into those areas because you can search on the Guinness World Records website. Oh, cool! Um, for all the all the records that are available. So I mm-hmm. yeah, I just did some rummaging and eventually narrowed down to climbing the most three thousand meter mountains in a week. Wow. Yeah, and <laughs> then I did a classic me where I so I I found an area that I thought would be like ideal to do it in, I guess, mm-hmm. because it's. Non-technical in summer, so no need for snow or ice no axes and all, all that uh-huh. jazz. Um, in Spain? And in Spain, yeah, sorry, in um, the Sierra Nevada mountains in mm-hmm. Spain. And also because I didn't want to have to deal with all the, the massive logistical faff of mm. having a support team and, and all that stuff. Yeah. So I just, I wanted something I could do on my own with a big backpack and do it unsupported and just just me in the mountains. Mm. And then, yeah, I, I did a classic me and thought, oh, all right, I'll just do all the 3,000-meter peaks in the area, <laughs> <laughs> um, which I rapidly <laughs> ended up peddling back from because realistically that, that was not going to happen. Yeah, I, I, got, I got the record. I almost doubled it. Oh, wow. Um, so it was, what was it,
0: seven and you went to 13? Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. So I, even when I was setting out, like from from where I was starting, I thought I would be able to do this ridiculous climb every peak in the area thing. Hmm. But there, it was in the middle of a heat wave, and it was something like thirty degrees at three thousand meters.
0: Oh my god! Which is
1: just—it's nuts. I I completely couldn't do that, and because of the the nature of the the like the terrain in the area. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to have enough water Mm. to be able to do the bonkers plan. Um, And because I was on my own, I I didn't want to take any risks at all, really. Mm. So I ended up scaling it massively back. And so did
0: you have to work out your logistics as you went then about where can I go from here? That means I cut out X, Y and Z mountains.
1: Yeah. So I'm really glad that I'd planned to that extent beforehand so that when I was having to rehash everything, while I was in the mountains, I had enough knowledge of the different routes that mm. I could I could do that. But yeah, and and also because it was again the Guinness World Records has a lot of criteria about yeah, I was ask what you, you about have that. to do. There's a minimum amount of ascent you have to do on each mountain in order mm-hmm. for it to count.
0: So instead of scaling peak, going peak to peak over a call, you have to come down
1: again and back up. Yes, Is that right? right. exactly. Of thing. You have to. Walk all the way down into into the bottom of the valley, and then walk all the way back up again. Which is, (laughs) yeah, was a little bit soul destroying by the
0: end. But and so you must have done what at least two a day then?
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was yeah basically two a day. The world requires a lot of us in normal modern day life, right? There's always a hundred million things to think about, but there was something really beautiful about waking up in the morning and knowing that all I had to do was climb two mountains today. That is beautiful, and it—you know—it's obviously it's hard physical effort, and it was really hot, and there wasn't any wind, and I was carrying ridiculous amount of kit. (laughs) But it was just—it was just kind of nice to have that simplicity.
0: I—that's exactly how I feel when I go walking in the Via Francigena.
1: Mm.
0: I—it takes me a couple of days to wind down from leaving the family and sorting out everything, and then by day three, I just wake up and go, "What an enormous privilege." just, yeah. all I have to do is put one foot in front of the other until I get where I'm going.
1: Yeah. And when I, so the start of my week, I there was almost nobody else there. I think I, I might have seen a couple of people from several kilometres away. <laughs> um, But it was just me and the mountains. And, oh, amazing. and it was amazing. And,
0: but were there some difficult times? Were there times, I mean, it sounds like the heat and the water were sort of fairly major issues.
1: Yeah. And just. The plodding uphill. By the end of it, I was <laughs> I was getting a bit sick of plodding uphill in the heat. Um, yeah. There were a couple of uh, navigational blunders because I don't <laughs> I don't really know how to use a GPS. Um, I've always done all my navigation off paper maps,
0: mm. um,
1: and so I, I'm you know I'm, I'm pretty good at it. But I just I got a bit carried away with how great the ridge line was and didn't like didn't turn off at the right time and things like that. Mm. <laughs> so that that. That's probably about the, the extent of the, the blundering, though. It <laughs> did all right.
0: <laughs> and how did you, you know, how do you, or perhaps that there weren't too many deep, dark spots in this, but, you know, there are always sort of times on any sort of adventure of a little bit of scale that you think, oh, this is really hard now. I'd quite like to go mm-hmm. home. What do you do? What's your sort of, do you have a go-to thing for bringing yourself out of it?
1: Hmm. I don't know if I've ever really thought about that before. I'm very stubborn, really. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah I know it's um so i'm I'm never very good at quitting things. I, I don't know I've never really thought about how I get out of those holes. I just guess perseverance really and breaking things down into smaller chunks. And
0: do you find that when you come back? from these adventures that you need you feel even though you might be tired do you feel refreshed or do you need time to decompress from the adventure does it very much depend on the adventure
1: it really does depend yeah i i used to think that you haven't had a good enough holiday if you don't come back from the holiday feeling completely knackered (laughs) um but i'm sort of growing out of that (laughs) um but yeah it, it really depends on the adventure i think And a lot, you know, the vast majority of stuff I do isn't anywhere near as serious or big as that, if so I mean. like Mm -hmm. I I do actually have enjoyable trips to the mountains with friends (laughs) and I don't feel like that needs decompression or anything. Um, But things like, uh, I
0: I absolutely love the title of your cycling adventure, which was Cambridge to Plymouth via Switzerland.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. Gosh, that was years ago. (laughs) On a tandem. Yeah, on a tandem, yeah. That was, that was a, one of those things where you quit your job and run for the hills, uh, or pedal it specifically. Nice. But yeah, that was, that's probably the longest time I've ever been continuously on a bicycle. Mm-hmm. And it really does just become a way of life.
0: Wow.
1: I think that's, that's one of the appeals about cycle touring is that, at least for me, it's not so much... Like a big expedition, mm. it's more just swapping your lifestyle into living in a tent and pedalling all day, yeah and eating lots of cake and baguette usually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, the joys! <laughs> yeah, so that's what it's all about. When I first started cycling, and uh, I, I remember my husband saying, "Oh, you really love it," and I used to, you know, we live on the side of a mountain, and I'd be like, "I hate it! I hate it! It's too hard! It's too hideous. <laughs> and then about two weeks ago uh, I said to girlfriend, let's go for the first bike ride of the season. Let's crack open. Let's just, you know, crack the seal. And I said, we'll mm-hmm. go down to the valley where it's warmer and flatter. And we'll just, you know, and we'll stop for cake. And we were cycling along and I was just going, I totally see what he means. I love it. <laughs> we're just <laughs> yakking away. We're stopping for coffee and cake. Then we cycle home with the wind behind us and happy days. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Uh, so yes, no, it is, it is lovely. I've never done, that's kind of on my list, a, long, a longer bike packing without being in a race type thing, just kind of A to B yeah. to C yeah. to D, that sort of thing. And you also have uh, a sort of a part to you, what you do, which is about helping other people mm. do this and, and sort of busting the expectations or the stereotypes of women in the outdoors what what's your sort of hopes and dreams and plans and what do you do but with in that area of your life?
1: Some of that is the so the magazine just just getting more voices out mm. there um and showing that actually all all sorts of people do adventures and like we were talking about earlier, there's all sorts of types of adventures and all that kind of thing. Um and with my blog, I try to be really down to earth and straight with people about just what adventure actually involves and it it always it doesn't always go to plan and that actually being an adventurer in inverted commas doesn't mean you're any different from a normal person Mm. necessarily like I I just want to kind of shine shine a light behind all that Mm -hmm. and say look you know this is and kind of help people as well just to get into it and sort of there can be some sort of mystery shrouded around something. At least I feel mm. that if I haven't done something before, it can seem really hard to attain and mysterious. Whereas if I have someone who just sort of opens the door and says, look, this is just do this, this and this. That's, you know, just here you go. It's easy. And then all of a sudden it is easy. So I guess I try and help out with that as well. Yeah, that
0: sounds amazing. Because I saw you also, you have a blueprint that people can sort of use to, you plan their adventures and that sort of thing. I'm wondering if, cause the more and more I sort of do these interviews and the more incredible, you know, super experienced women I chat to, I have, mm-hmm. I wonder because we talked earlier about the, you know, you see all these sort of gnarly, you know, we all know the big names who are out there, uh, the men yeah. doing the on the, t- on TV with the big gnarly adventures and the,
1: yeah, let's go,
0: all that kind of <laughs> stuff that that's what we see. And that's, and you know, and there, as you say, there's so many absolutely extraordinary women who are more than capable of being, you know, doing these jobs or doing the same job, but differently because they're women. And I wonder, I have sort of started to wonder whether there's just a sort of slight, you know, we, there's a kind of comparisonitis a lot with, you know, between the women and and not and it's a hugely supportive community is such that i've uh, come across anyway and i'm slightly waffling now but i'm just wondering whether that sort of shrouded in mystery thing is almost kind of because there's like a little bit of competition does that make sense um
1: may I can, I think I see what you're you're yeah, getting sorry, at. That like was a the, massively feeling... waffly sentence <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Like, the, the feeling that if if you somehow like almost like you've got a pack a, a set of cards right and you don't want to show your cards to everybody else yeah. in case that somehow makes them i don't give them superpowers and let's them be better than <laughs> yes. you somehow
0: and that the elusive um, the suddenly the elusive you know male a female presenter on TV job suddenly pops up and you've you know you've giving it away to somebody else, for example, I'm, I'm surmising here.
1: Yeah. Maybe there is a bit of feeling of that. I don't know. I tr- I try to be the complete opposite mm. of that. I'm a bit contrary. No, <laughs> no, no,
0: that's exactly what, was like, kind of exactly what I was getting at. I, I, I like that. I think that's really um, important. And it's also partly why I do this thing, this podcast for yeah. that
1: reason. Yeah. Cause surely the more people who get to have, have these experiences, the better. Right. Yeah.
0: Like, because as someone said, I was listening to a talk the other day on uh, getting, you know, advertising other people's podcasts. They said it's not a zero sum game. Someone is not going to just stop what, listening to your pod, podcast because they found another one that they like. You know, mm-hmm. and it's surely the same thing. You know, they're not going to suddenly stop watching X, Y, and Z on the telly or listening, you know, finding out about this person's adventures just because they've discovered another new shiny person. It, it's that.
1: Yeah. yeah definitely and it, and I feel like at least at least when I write my blog I feel like I'm just writing to some friends mm. so I like to think although I, I don't really know I, do, I don't know many people who read my blog to be <laughs> honest I've, I've never really I don't meet them really a, like you don't get any you don't get any feedback don't you well not not really not not in a real terms I don't think so I'm sort of putting out putting these things out and I guess I hope that the people who read them will then sort of be motivated to, to do the same thing and just, just write candidly about their own lives yeah. and adventures. And then more people will read and we're kind of making a community that way.
0: No, I think that's fantastic. But I have to say that's exactly how I started this this podcast. I just thought, well, I'm just going to chat, have a conversation, learn as much as I possibly can from all these amazing women. Mm-hmm. And if someone else is listening, well, hooray.
1: Yeah, great. <laughs> And if not, I'm still enjoying myself. Right? Exactly.
0: I'm enjoying myself and I'm learning. It's like, honestly, it's like a free ma- life masterclass. It's extraordinary. I just come away every time going, oh, yeah, I totally hadn't thought of that. <laughs> I love it. So what's next? What's, what's going on? I mean, obviously, clearly, we're still a little bit in the throes of crazy old pandemic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's, I, I had plans for this year. Mm. um and then at the beginning of end of january beginning of february i discovered that my landlady was going to be kicking me out of the house Mm. so i I rent um on my own and all of a sudden i had nowhere to live and i like it's it's going to be fine now um because i found another place but it it just just that level of not having any stability in my life has just made those adventure plans seem completely unappealing mm. um and i was for a while sort of still clinging clinging on to it and then i thought you know what emily just just get some stability first cuz it it feels like getting to the end of a really long expedition and actually i i, I don't want to be told i have to now go walk and do some other thing i just want to <laughs> get to the hotel and have a hot shower and lie on the sofa <laughs> <laughs> so I, I i don't have any plans for this year Um, I I might end up doing something but I don't think it's gonna be anything particularly big or well planned
0: and so you're you're not you are now safely ensconced in a with four walls and a
1: roof yes yes um I've managed to find somewhere to move to before it all kicks off so yeah no it it will be all right (laughs) thank heavens
0: and do you plan further ahead than a year? Like, do you have sort of any kind of big stuff that you think, well, this is going to take me a little while to organise? Or I don't mean specifically now, but mm. in general, or do you just sort of more try and figure it out as you go?
1: I think things brew for me. Mm. I have vague ideas that sort of float around um, and eventually manifest into something when, when the timing is right, I guess. Um I I the, I have this sort of theory as well about when I go on adventures. I I'm obviously meet random people and end up talking to complete complete strangers who are also happening to be wherever wherever I am. Hmm. And if somebody recommends to me something, and if it happens more than once, or if it, if it like comes into my mm. like I don't know what, even what the word is orbit. I guess yes. <laughs> um, more than once then i'm like oh okay maybe i should actually go do that cuz i i had someone mention the gr20 across corsica
0: oh yeah i was just reading about that this morning actually
1: i was yeah so i was hitchhiking <laughs> off the mountains in the south of france and the guy who picked us up happened to be from cornwall because obviously we're in the middle <laughs> of nowhere in france so yeah um and he said if you get a chance you must you must do that and then later on m- like much more recently that route has also been mentioned so now i'm like oh maybe i should go do that
0: yeah well you point. see and I, and I was just looking at it this morning so there you go there's another sign yeah okay I, I must, i've got to go <laughs> popped up i was uh, sort of looking at top 10 walks in europe type thing and that was one of them mm. um no i i love that i love that was one of the reasons i was sort of looking at that, that, that particular google episode this morning was just thinking you know because we can't go very far at the moment Mm. so you just sort of look at what can I do that's super close to home that I might not have and that is quite close to home for me yeah um but yeah just sort of as you say it's as small as just investigating the map around you and to sort of kind of I think it's really nice that it well nothing's really nice about this pandemic but it Mm. has given us all that sort of ability to find adventure I hope I think in a much smaller area
1: yeah and perhaps more appreciation of the place that we live oh for sure for me.
0: yeah yeah and definitely definitely I've seen much more of Switzerland in the last year even having lived here for 11 years mm. than I had done before yeah and so just um finally how did you turn what you you, you know you got all your passions rolled into you know like making a living that's yeah. amazing
1: yeah, it seems remarkably unlikely, doesn't it? Um, so it it just kind of happens slowly. When when I think about big life events, I always imagine that there'll be this this incredible moment where everything just turns right. But actually, it, it doesn't work like that. You know, you just mm-hmm. you slowly but surely take steps in the direction that you want to go. And then eventually it turns into something and you look back at how far you've come and you're like, oh, wow. Okay. Now I'm doing, you know, now I'm writing about adventure for a living. That's flipping amazing. Um, so yeah, I guess I, like in terms of practically, I, I started just writing the blog, doing mm. things like about, you know, what I was doing. And then I started freelancing while I was working um in the marketing department of a financial services company uh for my proper job and then it just you, i guess you you know you put yourself you go to events and you meet people and you like put yourself forward for opportunities mm. and eventually it will come right um if you if you just pursue it i think
0: no i think you're absolutely right it's all about if you want to use the woo-woo word, it's the manifesting of it. But it's you're absolutely right. It's it, it's the sort of the Steve Jobs joining the dots backwards, isn't it? Putting just putting as many dots in the map as possible. Yeah. And eventually, you can look back and go, "Oh yeah."
1: Yeah, and kind of acknowledging that, that you want to do it yourself, right? Because it's mm. I f- I was I was doing what I thought I should be doing. Mm. For so long. And, and actually, you do know inside what you want to do. You just have to admit it to yourself. <laughs> yeah. And then slowly but surely, you'll end up there and, and you'll look back and be like, oh, yeah, it's, it's obvious that I always wanted to be a writer and obvious that I always was interested in adventure.
0: Oh, uh, I think uh, you couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more because I, my thing, I, I do a little bit of writing, but my thing has always been using my voice. I'm a presenter, I'm a sports commentator, you know, and, and it's just doing this podcast feels for me, I think a little bit like what you're describing is suddenly you're like, this is what I was supposed to be doing all along. Yeah. Like listening to people's stories and using my voice for some kind of good thing.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. Well done you for starting.
0: <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. So how can we get hold of you? What's obviously there's the amazing blog um which is travelling lines, is that right?
1: Yep, travellinglines.com. Mhm. Um intrepid magazine. You can probably give a Google, but it's intrepid-magazine.com.
0: I'll put it all in the show notes.
1: I do. Okay. And then yeah, I'm just on I'm on social media. Um or there's a there's a contact form on my website, you know. I I much prefer if you've got something you want to ask me, I'm more likely to see it if you actually email me. So
0: very good. do like
1: do and feel free to, because I've had some very interesting emails from people who maybe like wanted to join mountain rescue and wanted to ask things about that. So oh, cool. do feel free. I will try to reply to all of them.
0: Excellent. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. I know we've, it's taken us a wee while to get ourselves yeah, our ducks in a row to get on the On the airwaves at the same time but I'm really grateful for your time
1: and thank you very much I've really enjoyed this thanks for joining me
0: I'll be back next week with another incredible episode of chatting to a friend in the meantime please give us a follow on Instagram chatting to a friend for all the latest news bye bye